Since you're listening to this podcast, it means you've decided that it's time for a change. You've made the conscious choice for a major breakthrough and you're ready for growth. But to drive this decision to be smart about making the right choices, you need help from someone who's been there. That's your host. Welcome to the Next Life podcast. Business Innovation with Bhupendra Sharma. Bhupendra Sharma has over 25 years of experience developing insights, tools and methodologies that aid leadership teams across sectors and geographies. Before he was the founder of Next Life Future Consulting, he co-founded Erewhon Innovation Consulting and spearheaded its international growth into Asia-Pacific, Europe and US geographies. Big companies are really bad at innovation because they're designed to be bad at innovation. Large organizations in the form of governments, corporations and institutions often end up recruiting supposedly the best people and therefore the best talent who are buzzing with ideas which are interesting, different and usually potent. But having all these great ideas, is it enough? As Kiran Mojumdar Shaw had written recently in an article that in our country at least the ecosystem which can enable some of these fantastic ideas to come out and to succeed is really underdeveloped the excitement of innovation has been understood by many companies and a lot of companies have created internal teams they have created a very exciting innovation agenda for themselves however i often find that their ability to understand what would it take to convert big radical different ideas into fruitful and beneficial results is often not understood as well so in my experiences i have noticed companies which have succeeded do something different in the way they pursue these ideas the pursuit So having great ideas is one thing but to be able to pursue those ideas differently is a part of thinking about how will we succeed in our journey of innovation think about it for various companies which are used to running different kinds of projects on a normal basis they often have those capabilities to run projects and i found that innovation attempts are also driven through very typical project approaches and i'm going to spend some time in helping you understand companies which have succeeded what kind of approaches they may have taken and companies which use a conventional project approach where is it that they end up either diluting or very often burying some of these ideas and i always joke about this to various companies when i ask them show me your burial ground and uh, you often find a tombstone that mentions here was a great idea which was ahead of its time and i often wonder could there be great ideas ahead of anyone's time or was it that the people who thought of these ideas didn't really know how to translate these ideas into useful relevant solutions for either their customers or society at large here are some interesting differences that i notice in a conventional project approach there is a lot of stepwise planning that teams do while trying to attempt to succeed in their innovation agenda so they would create you know various milestones we ought to have done this we ought to have done that would have planned it very well 
Whereas the unconventional approach, which is a lot more purpose-driven approach, teams that are pursuing innovation are often looking for turning points and not necessarily pre-agreed milestones. Everything, every time something succeeds or something fails, that becomes a turning point to build the idea and take it to the next level. So in a typical project approach, you will find there is a lot of planning done and therefore the deviation is minimized. That's a classic project approach, isn't it? Whereas purpose approach would actually allow for a lot of deviations to take place, there is a lot of flexibility in allowing unplanned things to become a part of the journey because uh, there is value that the team recognizes in things that they had not anticipated and therefore they use some of these unplanned events or unplanned feedback that comes in and build it as a part of their next step. Often in the conventional approach, since there is minimum deviation, so as much is minimum risk. The idea of a good project planning for an innovation attempt is that risk should be minimized. Whereas the purpose-driven approaches and the teams that work using those approaches are often experimenting. They experiment a lot. In fact, um, trying to fail as a part of the agenda is a very important part for them. If they haven't tried, if they haven't experimented and have not experienced failure, they often are not motivated to continue. While pursuing some of these journeys, a lot of project-based approach, or what I would say the conventional approach, I also find one very interesting difference in the two. And the conventional project approach, often before it wants to move on to the next step, goes through a classical bureaucratic approval process. Hey, we want to travel here, we want to go somewhere, uh, so I need a, a typical approval from my senior management. Whereas uh, teams which are purpose-focused are a lot more enterprising, a lot more entrepreneurial, they assume approvals. So, so the difference between a project and a, a project kind of an approach and a purpose kind of an approach makes all the difference. I often found the project uh, approach is one, it takes unusually long for ideas to develop. Second, in the way it has been pursued, often great ideas end up diluting themselves. Six, eight, ten months later when you meet the team, you, you, you don't see that excitement because on day one, the excitement uh, of the idea when it was articulated and eight, ten months later, a lot of motivation and excitement is rubbed off. It's almost like they are waiting for the project to get over and hopefully someone can take the accountability for the result. Whereas I find with the purpose-driven uh, teams, the excitement is uh, not only continuous, it is infectious. It carries on, it rubs off different people uh, who come in contact with them. And the idea that started uh, eight, nine months ago, later is evolved. It's evolved into a little more comprehensive, a lot more real, a lot more complete. So that's a journey that often I find if large organizations can put in place, the success factor of these bright minds and bright ideas will go up. The strike rate of success of these ideas will go up. So that's one very interesting difference that I find in how you pursue ideas that are available with you. The other difference which is very interesting is where do you get your ideas from? Stimuli for ideas. So the usual way where lots of companies spend a lot of resources is to get a lot of people sit through brainstorming sessions, which I think is a very old tool. 
and I don't think brainstorming is as effective anymore. However, lots of companies continue to do that because that's the comfort. That's the only thing they know. The extent to which they go out and seek ideas from somewhere else is probably the extent to which their business is. So they would go on, talk to perhaps their distributors or dealers or partners and also to their customers. I often say that if you've been around for five years, then it's good to assume that your customers, your dealers, yourselves and your people by and large have probably become fossilized. They know what to expect from you and therefore the kind of ideas or feedback that they would give you are often incremental. So if you have to succeed with dramatically different ideas, the source through which you may even get these ideas, the stimuli that you need also needs to be very, very different. Think about it as I often uh, joke with the various companies is how often would you send your marketing team to a film festival as a part of their work? And you know what the response of a question like that is. Well, that doesn't seem like <laughs> time well spent. So I would rather send my marketing team to yet another course in one of the management institutes. So I keep challenging them. So if you were to send them to learn about X number of P's from a marketing guru, what else will they learn beyond those five, six or seven P's that um, is already known to the, to the world? Companies often are uncomfortable thinking about it. And my provocation to them and to many of you is to try and identify for yourself very, very different sources from where dramatically different solutions and ideas can emerge and usually do. Recently, I came across a doctor in Bangalore who found a fantastic solution to treat patients of throat cancer by talking to the wooden toy makers in this place in Chennapatna. And this uh, toy maker not only um, suggested what can be done, he also used his skills of toy making and actually has created a device which is helping uh, patients and it doesn't cost much. There are numerous such examples where great ideas have succeeded because the source and the stimuli available to think of those ideas are also varied and different. So think about it whenever you are wanting to find fantastic solutions or ideas for the kind of business you do. Ask yourself how diverse is your network and how deeply do you engage and converse with them to understand how they can help in creating solutions and ideas for you. The Scaling Strategy I've spoken about two things. One is the way you pursue ideas and second is the source you get your ideas from. Then there is another aspect which is to do with assuming you have a fantastic idea and you've developed a prototype. You're very excited about what it looks like, what's it going to do to your customers, to the society at large. How do you take these ideas forward? Because very often there are enough and more examples of great ideas which look good and promising when they were introduced. But after a quick period of time, they never really reached the potential, the people. So somehow when you closely look at a lot of people are in a hurry to scale their ideas in a very conventional way. And what are conventional ways of scaling ideas? That you need to take it to as many geographies as possible, you take it to as wide a reach as possible. So if that has to happen, then the way to do that is quickly talk about that idea to various people. And if it means standardize the communication so that everyone knows exactly what this is all about. And I've found that great ideas that have succeeded uh, have succeeded because somewhere on the way, people who have experienced those ideas have become fans of those ideas. 
So if your method of communicating or scaling remains conventional, then often it doesn't really excite people who can, who are possibly a potential fan of your ideas. So I remember a gentleman called Everett Rogers in his book, Diffusion of Innovation. He wrote about why is it important to introduce diffusion in the way you scale. And he spoke about diffusion as a very special way of communicating. In fact, diffusion is a social way of communicating people. In my mind and my experiences, I've found in the way you innovatively communicate to people, if you end up creating a fan following, then chances are that your idea will not only spread quickly, but while it spreads, it will also gain a lot of momentum and a lot of fans. And those are your potential new customers. So think about uh, not scaling a new idea with an old conventional way. I remember a few years ago, there was a fantastic breakthrough, which was developed by a company in Delhi. And this would have shaken up a very large and an established product category, I think globally, although their plan was to do it in India first. It was a 21-member team that I had met, which included the scientists who had created this idea, the marketing folks, and some of the brightest leaders who had come together to create magic and hopefully rewrite history in that product category. A year later, it was very disappointing to discover that that idea really did not succeed. And it wasn't that the idea was before its time. When I closely looked at what happened in that journey, I discovered that the way they took that idea to the market, the way they scaled it up, Unfortunately, they had relied on the previous and the conventional model of scaling up that idea. And it's sad. It's sad that it failed. So I often tell people when you're thinking about innovating, there are two kinds of innovations you need to do. One is the solution that you're bringing in. And second, innovation also needs to happen in the way you scale it up. And that in combination will give your great idea a higher chance of succeeding. Enabling forces for new ideas. Then there is the fourth aspect of wanting to succeed with radically new ideas or wanting to succeed with innovation. If you're a part of a large corporation, ask yourself, how do you structure? How do you structure a typical team that is out there wanting to innovate? In my experiences, this is what I've found, that there is always an innovation champion, there is always a sponsor who is usually a senior manager. And often the dynamics between the sponsor and the innovation champion gets very bureaucratic. So the sponsor may or may not have a perspective and the innovation champion who probably may have a perspective may not have the wherewithal to influence the sponsor. And in this dynamics, a lot of dilution takes place in what the team really wants to do. I often provoke teams and teams that have managed to do this is to think about creating an enabling system for yourself which will not necessarily bless your journey but essentially become roadblock removers. And very often, people who can help you move forward, solve problems which are new in this entire innovation attempt, I often think these people don't necessarily sit inside your organization. They're often sitting outside. And there are enough and more people excited to become and participate in a journey which has potentially a big impact. So try and see if you can create a network of people. Obviously, your maximum persuasive ability will be at play. You'll have to think about how do we excite them? How do we um, influence some of these people who can bring in their skills, who can bring in their perspectives as a part of the journey that you are attempting in your organization? 
Amongst many other things that take place, I found that the fundamental difference in the way you attempt an innovation journey will increase your chances to succeed. Just to crystallize what I had meant. So there are three, four things that I spoke about. One, how do you pursue an innovation journey? A conventional is a project approach and the other one is a purpose approach. Second, how dramatically different are your sources of ideas? Third, how do you scale conventionally or using diffusion? And fourth, in the journey that you are in, are you able to build networks which are external to your organization? Networks of people who are equally excited or more perhaps to help you succeed. I think while there are a lot of entrepreneurs today who are attempting to do different things, I strongly believe that large companies, the conventionally large companies, who I think have the might and the muscle, need to bring in the excitement of innovating and leading the way in their industries, in their categories, and create a huge footprint of success with new ideas. And I think that's the need of the hour. And if we are able to do that successfully, I think it will only give the entrepreneurs a challenge to start their journeys at a different level. Yeah.